Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. I'm joined today via Skype by a truly inspirational woman and a dear friend. Terry Shodin is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and keynote speaker whose clients literally span the globe. She is the principal and founder of Shodin Communications, a public speaking, sales training, and consulting firm based in Newport Beach, California, not too jealous, of course. For over 20 years, she has specialized in helping people build and deliver more polished, persuasive, and effective presentations. She's the author of five books, now I'm really jealous, including <laughs> and the New York Times bestseller, Small Message, Big Impact. Terry is a frequent guest on radio and television talk shows throughout the country, the world, in fact, appearing on the Today Show, Bloomberg, CNN, CNBC, and more. You will find her approach is fresh, real world, and her style is fun, sassy, and practical. Get ready to take lots of notes if you're driving pullover because <laughs> it was street-worthy methods and tips that you can immediately get to use to impact your lives and the lives of those around you. As I said before, a dear friend, one of the loveliest people in the whole world, and I'm not just blowing smoke where I shouldn't be, uh, where I shouldn't be blowing. She is a really, really lovely person and super talented. So I'm in, I'm in awe of you, Terry, and I'm <laughs> so glad that you got the opportunity and found the time to join us on the Sandro Forte podcast. So thank you so much on behalf of the very, very many people listening. Oh, well, thank you, Sandro. You know, I'm a huge fan. The feeling is mutual and I'm honored to be part of your lineup on your podcast. So thank you. Well, the numbers will swell as a result of this, I'm sure. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's have a bit of fun, have a chat about you and all the great things that you do. Uh, so let's start with the journey, the, 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 your background. What led to Shodin Communications, which after all is, you know, is one heck of an organization. You do literally take your presentations all around the world. So how did all that happen? Yeah, truly humble beginnings. I was just really fortunate when I was uh, back in high school. I had a high school speech coach named Jim Conforio, and he took three of us from the time that we were sophomores and groomed us to be extremely competitive in speech and debate. And that influence just really stuck with me. I found a true love and passion for the spoken word. And uh, that's why I kind of chose to be a speech major in college and my emphasis was in debate and I loved it so much the art form of the spoken word and the power uh, of that that you know I chose to pursue a career in public speaking and persuasive presentation skills initially working for an organization that promoted professional speakers and really got into the trenches in the training and development community and then you know fast forward in November of 1990 I split off to create my own company, 
Shodin Communications with one goal in mind, and that was to help people to build and deliver more polished and persuasive presentations that could help them to achieve their goals, whether they are selling a product, a service, or a cause. And you know, that's just always been the through line. That's been my goal. And it's, and, you know, it's, I think it's fun. It's intellectually stimulating. It gives me a chance to work with people from all different walks of life. And, you know, that's how I choose to be of service. So that's my thing. <laughs> it sounds to me like you might be the kind of woman not to have an argument with. Well, you know, the nice thing about debate is that it really gives you the perspective to be logical. So I try not to get, uh, you know, too overbearing with my feelings and my opinions. I try to fall back on debate strategy, which says, you know, do you have a logical case? Do you have logical evidence? And then as a result, how can we apply that to a situation so that you can create win-win scenarios for both parties who are involved? But I think that that's kind of like the running joke, like don't get in an argument with a debater, but usually we're trained to be fairly (laughs) level-headed. And for for those listening, uh, we're going to do this in two parts, this this, uh, podcast Um, I don't call them interviews, this podcast conversation, just because there is so much uh, that you've done over the years that we can't just do this justice in 30 minutes. So we're going to divide this into two sections. One, we want to really do that deep dive into who you are, where you come from, what you're doing, where it all started, but then also to look at your most recent piece of research, which is frankly it was one heck of a project, wasn't it? So we'll deal with all of that in part two because that almost needs its its own spot. So uh, life started for you in this room at home, as it does, of course, for so many successful entrepreneurs. Uh, so what advice, Terry, would you give to anyone dreaming of um, establishing themselves in the same way that you've done from those humble beginnings that you've mentioned? What 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 thoughts and ideas, based on your own experience, have you got for people who say, look, got a dream, got an idea. I just don't know where to start. Sure. Well, there's a a beautiful African proverb, which suggests you can wish, you can dream, you can hope, and you can pray, but pray, move your feet, right? So how do we get from that dream and that wish into uh, math? whatever that path is. And I think that, you know, obviously the very first step is to have the dream, but beyond that, let's have, let's make this conversation today. Let's make it about that, that tactical, practical uh, step that you can take to move your intention forward. So the first step is I strongly recommend that whatever it is you want to do, you go to work with an organization that is currently doing it. There's no better way to get experience than to go to work with someone who's doing it either well, or maybe not, but the bottom line is, is that you you get paid to learn on their dime and then you can take the best practices before you decide to do a sidestep and do your own adventure. Yeah, that's that is that is great advice and beautifully articulated. What kind of person then do you have to be to have the drive and self-belief that you've got in spades, obviously, but the, the kind of self-belief and drive that you need to have to set up a business for your own home? and grow it into the success story that you are today? 
Oh, gosh. You know, I think that it's probably a combination of three things. Uh, the first one is that you've got to have a, a sincere attitude or mindset that you are committed to your vision or dream. Uh, secondly, you've got to have some sort of strategy that you're going to follow because that strategy keeps you on path uh, because inevitably things are going to derail you. And so by staying true to course, staying true to path, even if there are variations, you can readjust and then again, move forward. And then the third step, which I think is critical is of course, execution, because there's a lot of people that get uh, into analysis paralysis, right? They go, Oh, I've got this dream and I've got this idea, but then they don't, they don't launch this kind of failure to launch. So you're constantly pivoting back and forth from those three aspects. You've got to keep your mindset and your attitude in check. You've got to keep your strategy focused and moving forward. And then, of course, you've got to execute and, and be flexible in that execution so that you can morph over time. If you don't want to just be kind of a one hit wonder or a flash in the pan, you've got to have the perspective of a 30 year, a 40 year, a 50 year career. How is that going to span? And then you have the these like little pivots, these little stops along the way that, you know, you can see how it's going to evolve. And that's, I think, the inspirational, exciting part. When you look at the longevity of your career, it also helps you maintain that attitude, that strategy, and then the execution. Mm -hmm. So you, um, you, you start out on the debating scene, uh, clearly very skilled at that. So where then does this idea to become a great public speaker come from? Uh, you know, I was I went to work for a company called the Achievement Group, and what the Achievement Group did was set up all the marketing and promotions for a variety of different national speakers and sales trainers. Uh, and as a result, I learned really the back end, the marketing aspect of speaking. And while there were a lot of great speakers out there that spoke on a variety of different topics, whether it be time management, negotiation, peak performance, uh, where I felt like there was a gap was. Uh, in this area of public speaking and persuasive presentation skills, because everybody has to sell something and we all depend on our verbal communication skills in order to share an idea or message. But it's a skill set that not everybody feels comfortable with. And, and yet it's one of the most important skills for professional and executive development. So I thought, well, maybe there's something I could bring to the table that would be different. So uh, after working with the achievement group and then another company called Resource Dynamics, I then felt like I'd had enough of that learning on the back end to begin uh, developing my own platform as a speaker in my area of expertise, which is, you know, obviously in public speaking and persuasive presentation skills. And, and the misnomer about the word public speaking is that people think it means you're speaking to a large group you know, the size of the audience is really quite irrelevant. The most significant presentations typically take place one-on-one -on -one or small group, but does that mean that our verbal skills are any less significant? The answer is heck no. So how can we kind of take those, that skill set of, of public speaking and debate and employ it into a business or professional environment so that we can help people get where they want to go in a shorter period of time. And so that kind of became my platform and I was able to, you know, 
kind of build a fairly successful business within a short period of time because I went back to, you know, the skills that I learned working with another company before I launched my own. So again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of our conversation, which is, you know, one of the most important things you can do is to go to work with a company who's already doing what it is that you think you'd like to do long-term because you can learn a lot at their expense. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you now what it, what it takes to be a great speaker. And before you answer that question, I'm going to take you back. <laughs> what is it? Six years, seven years since we first, or probably longer than that, eight years since we first got to know each other. And I always fancied myself as a bit of a public speaker. And then I see Terry Shodine step up on stage in front of a very large number of people. And uh, some of the words I thought at the time, you know, consummate, I mean, even every movement you made, uh, the humor, the articulation, the vocabulary, how polished it was, how it flowed. And I sat there with my jaw open for the whole of your presentation. I thought, gosh, when I grow up, I want to be like this woman. What does it take to be as great as you then? Oh, well, that's really very kind. Um, I, I think one of my coaches was a woman named Peg Taylor. And she said, you know, there's, there are so many elements to being a great speaker. But the first one is, is that you've just got to stay in your own authentic voice. And so I don't, Necessarily, I think about it as a performance when I'm out there. I think, how can I speak in my own voice with my own personality and my own style and then use the principles of speaking so that I stay on on track. And I, and I think of it much like a comedian. Right. So when you think of a great comedian, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, an Ellen DeGeneres or you think of, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to, I'm like spacing off the top of my mind. But when you think of a great comedian and you see them, they're so amazing. But if you try to use their joke or tell their joke uh, on your own, separate from that experience, it probably isn't going to land in the same way. So, so it's the same thing with speaking. You know, you have to stay true to your own personality and your own style. You're going to write to the way that, you know, you feel like you can connect with your audience in the way that the message resonates with you. And then, of course, a great deal of practice and then a, a little bit of choreography. And then the most painful aspect is to watch your own playback on video. You know, I as much as I hate it, I still do it. When you watch your own presentations on playback, then I think to myself, do I feel like that line landed? Do I feel like that idea came through in a clear, co coherent fashion? Do I feel like I made it about the audience? I didn't make it about myself. And so I'm constantly thinking, you know, how am I making this a takeaway for the person that I'm speaking to, not making it about, oh my gosh, I'm a great speaker. And I think yeah, those are some of the, the key components about what transitions you from good to great, if you will. Well, the, the key takeaway for me, based on what you just said, and I'm sure this resonates with everyone listening, is that, you know, for somebody who has already got all those component parts and is as great as you are and as successful as you are, you're constantly evaluating your own performance and looking to improve. And I think that is a that is a sign of somebody who's truly great at their trade. So that would be the, the one great takeaway from what you just said there. Now, obviously, you've got exactly what it takes based on your awards. I mean, they, uh, they're too numerous to mention. And, uh, and clients, you know, the, the lowly clients such as the US House of Representatives, you know, <laughs> that, that you, you do on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, so what is it about you, Terry, that 
has made you so sought after and such a great speaker? What is it about you as an individual? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. Um, you know, I, I'd like to think that it's, it goes back to your relationships. Uh, there's a lovely, I believe it's Zig Ziglar who said, you know, you can get what you want when you help another uh, enough uh, other people get what they want. And so I think that at the end of the day, when I keep helping people achieve their goals, when I when I help them to craft a message that lands or a presentation that wins or uh, or a sales uh, message that gets the win or the job or the next opportunity, then that's when they come back to you and say, oh, my gosh, she really helped. And so that that's the through line. Uh, I love it. I'm a complete speech geek. I love the power of the spoken word. I love what it can do in my heart. I know that it's the one thing that transcends uh, all other skill sets because it doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. When you can speak beautifully and you can articulate your message in a way that it lands in the mind of another person so that you can move whatever the transaction is forward, that is a powerful tool. And it can be used in a variety of different ways. Quite frankly, it can be used for evil or for good, right? But but that skill set is it doesn't cost money. It takes time. It takes a conscious effort to be able to beautifully articulate your message in a way that moves people towards action. And when you can do that, then you can break through a lot of barriers and boundaries. And, you know, we joke about the work, whether it be, you know, a main stage talk for MDRT or doing a project for uh, members of the House of Representatives. I mean, there are moments where I think to myself, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. Uh, and and all I can say is if it wasn't for this skill set, uh, I don't think I've, I would have half the opportunities that I've had. So that's the power of the spoken word. And, you know, the truth of the matter is most people don't feel comfortable with it. Most people don't like to practice. I mean, half the planet doesn't even have an outgoing message on their voicemail or their phone recorder or their phone. So <laughs> like at the end of the day, you have to think about what do I want to communicate? How can I verbally communicate that message in a way that it lands? And then, you know, let it, let it go and watch what can happen. I think people would be amazed. Yeah. I, I'm listening to you talk there and, and the, uh, the example you've given about people not recording messages on voicemail. Uh, <laughs> and it is, it is very much about practice. There's a lot of people listening will be thinking, yeah, well, you know, she was just born like this. She just got the gift of the gab. She's uh, she's great. Good luck to her. Everything she says is fantastic. But look, I, I'm I'm never going to achieve that level of success. Everything I know about you has come from practice, practice, and then some more. Right. So um, I'm going to just take you back, if I may, to something you said a moment ago, and I think you said something like speech presentations, the the spoken word transcends all other skill sets. I believe is what you said. Um, there are many, many people listening. And in fact, the origins of this podcast are um, were designed to create messages for typically millennials, people who find perhaps communication slightly more challenging than we did many years ago. So what tips would you give to our listeners who perhaps do find it difficult to communicate in an effective way, whether it's job interviews or just social or other human interaction? to make them, I won't say effective speakers, because they won't necessarily be looking to pursue that as a, as a career objective, but just to become 
better communicators? What what thoughts, ideas, tips, techniques could you share with people? Uh, and maybe this just t- does touch on some of the the books that you've written. But I'd be really interested for you to share some of your key thoughts around better communication. So the first thing I, I think that comes to mind is that I don't want people to feel like they have to be perfect. And I certainly don't think I'm perfect. I'm far from it. Uh, what I think we're trying to do is not seek out perfection, but how can we create a greater connection and your verbal communication skills are the way that we connect. You know, you can sit behind your computer and you can write the most fabulous email in the world, but I've never had anybody say to me, oh my gosh, your email was amazing. (laughs) And, or that text that you sent me really drove me to want to hire you. Or, you know what, that was the most incredible tweet I've ever read. And as a result, I want to partner with you. Uh, Connect doesn't come through technology in the same way that it can come through in your verbal communication skills. So when I'm watching millennial struggle and I have uh, I one of my favorite millennials is one of my assistants. Her name is Caitlin. And, you know, our first struggle was she would be great in terms of her technology. And she certainly helps me a great deal in that regard. But every time I'd say to her, look, you've got to reach out and call that client or you need to call and reach out and and follow up with that person. She'd be like, oh, she would just almost freeze every time she had to pick up the phone. And so we had to spend a lot of time helping her to get much more comfortable with picking up the phone. And there are three advantages to working on your verbal skill set when you have to either cross over over the telephone or one on one and in person. The first one is it cuts the time in half. I mean, you can really say what you want to say in a short period of time and move on. Box checked. Uh, Number two, you can hear what the other person is saying and thinking and feeling. And as a result, you can adapt to what their needs are. And number three, when you're in a conversation over the phone, people have a tendency to reveal more of what it is that they're thinking or feeling about a subject. And as a result, you can better address their issues. So there are so many advantages to expanding this verbal skill set. Uh, if if the only thing is that you communicate your ideas betterly to be of service, uh, but beyond being better, uh, then the goal is to how do I launch my intentions forward? And so, again, this always goes back to a mutual process. It is to be of service to your listener and to also move your intention forward. And, you know, how do we win One of my favorite sayings is you can do good in the world and still do well financially. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want you to really think about in terms of the power of verbal communication skills. How can I do good and still do well? Because the only point of this is to ultimately help you to generate more financial security and abundance and whatever your goals or life intention is. And, And that's where I think the rubber meets the road. So you talk about doing good in the world. I think this is the perfect time to introduce Olive Crest and and the amazing work that you do. For those who are not familiar with Olive Crest, an organization that helps children affected by child abuse, right? So um, one thing that's astonishing, I think, is the number of guests we've had on the Sandro Forte podcast that have been hugely successful in their chosen career or profession that have also... um, been very philanthropic or have done something incredible within their community. So tell us about Olive Crest, Terry, and, and the work that you do uh, with them. 
Oh, thank you for uh, allowing me to share the work of Olive Crest on your podcast. So Olive Crest is dedicated to um, serving children in abused and neglected environments and also to support families who are helping to transition from a difficult situation into a situation of winning. Uh, I've been a trustee with Olive Crest for, oh my gosh, over 15 years. And I want to thank you because you've been a great supporter of Olive Crest and the work that we do. but, you know, it kind of goes back. How am I of service to Olive Crest? Uh, I help them to generate funds. And, you know, people say, oh, you know, I don't want to be in sales. I don't really care about selling. Uh, I really want to do work in philanthropy. And I always kind of chuckle whenever they say that, because in philanthropy, what I do the most is sell. I am selling people on contributing to Olive Crest, whether they're going to contribute time or talent or treasure. But it is a it is first and foremost a sales job to acquire the resources that that organization needs in order to be of service to uh, neglected children and families that are in need. So uh, even for those of people who are thinking to themselves, oh my gosh, I don't really need my verbal communication skills. Um, the answer is Yes, you absolutely do, because that's where you can be of greatest service in a way that other people shrink from it. Again, it's, you know, being of service in a philanthropic nature, whether it's to be of service to helping yourself get a job or whether you are in a sales role selling a product or service. It's it really goes back to the core skill set. And if if nothing else, if you leave this conversation and you think, wow, maybe I should uh, take a public speaking course or maybe I should spend a little bit. I can see how ending this skill set can help me in whatever it is I want to do in life. Then I feel like our time will have been well spent. There's a, there's a lot of people um, out there, Terry, who are kind of thinking, well, you know, particularly given all that's been going on in the world recently, um, you know, I, I kind of, um, I, I feel like I should do some good in the world, but you know, what's in it for me. And, and it's, that's, um, if not articulated in that way, you can almost read in the minds of people. That's the way they feel about community service, philanthropy. What, so what's in it for you? What do you get from the amazing work that you do with Olive Crest and other organizations that you, that you help so, um, unconditionally? There have been days where I had to jump in my car and drive to an Olive Crest meeting or another Olive Crest event, or I had to make another pitch to an individual. And I thought, ugh, like, I just, I don't have time for this today, or this is not really what I want to do today. And then once I get there and I'm in the conversation and then uh, we actually kind of make something happen as a result, or I learn a little bit uh, about an individual who was served by Olive Crest, or I'm, I can see a new need uh, where we can provide help. When I'm driving home, I think to myself, wow, I really didn't want to go. And now that I'm driving home, I'm just really glad I did. So I think that when you're in service, um, sure, it's not maybe it's not the thing that makes you roll over in the morning and think, oh my gosh, I can't wait to do that. But I think that when you're when you're done, you realize that we are all better when we are of help to other people. And sometimes you don't feel it until, you know, it's after the fact. So let's have a, a talk now about your your career, your your day to day job, the, the speaking business. Um, I think it would be fair to say that it's probably I'm struggling to think of a different industry 
that would have been as severely affected by all that's gone on in the world in recent times. So, um, you know, you are a woman of great resilience. You are very pragmatic. Everything I know about you, uh, it, it kind of just, you, you, you know, you adopt, you adapt, you are constantly looking to self-improve and all of that great experience that you've got. I think no one is better placed than you to share some thoughts about, um, the, the challenges that we have in the world today, what, you know, what advice do you give to people who really are struggling? And I mean, as I said, no industry has been more decimated than yours. Um, and so how do you start to deal with some of those challenges where almost the slate has been wiped clean? You're now thinking, goodness, you know, where does the next job come from? What is the, what does the future look like? There's a lot of people out there at the moment, you know, seriously concerned for their financial and uh, financial well-being and, and the well-being of their family moving forward. What advice, given all of your great experience, would you give to those people who really are struggling at the moment? You know, I would say I empathize. I, I feel my heart goes out to all of the people that have been affected by this in one way or the other. You know, I, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier. We've been very blessed because our family and friends are still in good health. And, you know, as a result of that, it kind of, you know, liberates you to focus on other things, but whatever the crisis might be, uh, it, it can be devastating. I, I mean, I'm, I'm the most honest thing I can tell you is I was, really gearing up for a huge launch, which you and I talked about, uh, which was the release of this uh, new research. It was two years of work <laughs> that we put into uh, uh, discovering some of the uh, uh, research in regards to public speaking and persuasive presentation skills and build up to this big launch. And then it turns out that the launch ends up coming out on a day where it's just uh, horrific news is happening all over the world. And not only does it fail, but it fails miserably. And then you think, okay, well, I'll just reboot and I'll try this again in a couple of weeks. But then a couple of weeks later, it, the situation isn't any better. And then all of a sudden you realize that everything that you've worked for uh, has been erased. Uh, well, your speaking calendar, your brand new research release, uh, you know, whatever your product launches, um, a goal, a dream, a vision, aspiration and then it's gone, you know, then you wait, you wake up one morning and you go, now what? And I, I, of course I had a down day. I had a couple of days, you know, I definitely cried and thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be Pollyanna about it. I was sad, but uh, that being said, there is this gene in my brain, and I think it, it's in, in most of you uh, who are listening. I hope you have a similar uh, little voice inside your head that says, okay, enough, enough, because I don't win if I stay in this pity party. I'm not of service to myself, and I'm not of service to my clients if I stay in my pity party. Uh, and I liken it to running, you know, it's like you're running and you're running and you're having a great race. And then all of a sudden you trip on a, a rock in the path and you skin your knee. Sometimes it hurts, but eventually you kind of have to get up and you hobble along so that you can finish the race. And so that's where I am. now. You know, I, I felt like I was running hard and we tripped on this enormous rock and you get up and then you dust yourself off and you say, OK, I can't go back. There, I cannot go back. All I can do is move forward. So what's moving forward look like? And you take these 
baby steps and then you start to reach out and it begins with, you know, how can I be of service? Who can I reach out to? Who can I connect with? And in that process, the ideas will come and that, you know, and that's kind of where we are today. I mean, I, I am now two weeks into a regrouping and a relaunching and it feels good. I mean, even if you take a little baby step every day towards your goal, you go, that feels better than laying in my bed and crying. Right. So you just keep taking a little baby step forward. And what you'll find is the more positive steps you take for yourself, other people around you say, Oh, look, she's, shaking, she's dusting herself off and moving forward. Maybe I can too. And then you start to build community with you. And then we all can grow and move and morph through this. Like whatever situation it is, you're going to have to go through it. So you might as well grow through it. And, you know, that might sound like a trite little saying, but I really do think that making those baby steps uh, a part of your routine really is what changes the game. Uh, beautifully articulated, if I may say. So um, now, obviously, I can't quite believe where half an hour has just gone because uh, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to you, as I always do, in, in total awe and admiration. Um, in part two, we're going to take a good deep dive look at uh, Small Message, Big Impact, Scrappy, and, of course, the incredible work you've spent the last two years of your life putting together, um, that uh, state of sales presentations, which is highly entertaining, but also um, incredibly informative. Um, a lot of it resonates with me because I've had a, a sneak peek at uh, <laughs> you were kind enough to share it. Um, so um, just one thing, just in case uh, people don't tune into part two, though, I hope they will. Uh, how do we find out more about Terry Shodin and, and the amazing work you do from uh, the philanthropic work you do that you've mentioned to um, your website, your social media presence and all that sort of stuff? Mm, thank you so much. Well, first, before I just want to say, uh, I think that this podcast is just really uh, so wonderful. It's just so necessary at this time. And when people take a little time out of their lives to share their attention span uh, with an podcast like this, I think that it just does good in the world. And so I just want to say thank you for your creativity. Thank you for that you put into this and also for the kindness that you share in celebrating other speakers and professionals like yourself who are you know just here to try to make the world a slightly better place even for just 30 minutes in a day for people uh how <laughs> uh, how people can find shodin communications is pretty easy uh you could just type in my name so uh, terryshodean.com and that's uh, T-E-R-R-I and that's S as in Sam J-O-D-I-N Shodin is Swedish so the J is like an H terryshodean.com and when you go there I'll have my homepage and it'll give you a great deal of information about you know the books and the programs and all of that but it, the probably the greatest gift I can give your people today who do want to visit that is you can go to that homepage and you'll find 
um, a link to accessing the State of Sales Presentations Research Report document, and you can download it for free. All you have to do is just enter your data. Uh, and I think that the nuggets that you'll gain from that are you know, pretty powerful. So even if you join, don't join us for part two, I would highly recommend that you download that free report. It's a 31-page research document that will really give you some insight into the State of Sales Presentations as we move forward. Well, you are very kind. I would I would really sincerely encourage people to go find that information because I've read it end to end and it is uh, astonishing and, and extremely helpful, regardless of where you are in life and what business you, you work within, what industry you work within. So, um, Terry, I'm looking forward to speaking with you again next week. Um, for those who are wondering what's coming, let me just give you an insight. Terry, as I mentioned earlier, has written five books. Uh, the research that I alluded to and spoke about earlier on um, really is is a must listen for everybody. So I do hope you'll join us this time next week uh, for another conversation with Terry Shodine. Uh, everything I said in my introduction, I meant sincerely. Uh, so fasten your seatbelts, retune this time next week and absorb all the information, of course, from this uh, conversation, this podcast today, but also join us again this time next week for a bit more on Terry Shodine. Mm-hmm.